You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. We only have one shot in the new year to give a message that sets the foundation for the rest of the year. And so it's kind of big pressure, uh, but I believe that um, the word that, that I feel like God has for today, I, that I feel like it, it will set the foundation for 2019 and maybe even do a little healing from 2018. How many 2018 was like a little rough for some people? My hands up. Wow, look at that. And so, um, so this morning, uh, we're just, we're just going to try to work through this and see, see where it goes. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. So I'm, I'm going to pray. It's weird when, when you don't speak and we didn't have church last week. Um, there's just a lot that, that I want to say, and um, I'm just going to pray. Let's just pray. <laughs> Let's just pray. Father, we love you so much. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this new year. God, I thank you for, uh, God, for what you want to do this year, God, personally, but also in this church. God, I pray that, uh, that today, Father, that you would... Uh, God, that you would speak to us, Lord, that you, you know what we need to hear. You, you know uh, areas that we're struggling in. You know our ups and our downs. And so, Father, I pray that you would just, uh, God, that you would just have your way today with the remaining time that we have together. God, we love you so much. And uh, thank you, God, for having the Cowboys beat the, <laughs> the Seahawks because Niners don't like Hawks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, real quick, uh, February 3rd, mark that on your calendar. We're going to be celebrating five years. Come on. And uh, that's a big deal. The mortality rate of a church plant or church startup uh, is 90, 87 or 93 percent within the first five years. So nine, 87 to 93 percent of churches within the first five years that start don't make it to the five-year mark. And so uh, that's good news. Come on. <laughs> the fact that we hit five years, we're making it, and God, uh, you know what I love is I love being around people who have just, like, they can see the big picture. You know, I love people that like, they're like, man, I just can't wait until, until we start reaching even more people so that they can discover Jesus. And, and I'm like, yeah, I need to hang out with you more. <laughs> you know, there's something about that. And so, uh, so year five, February 3rd, we're, we're going to get some tacos in here, do some street tacos and just, we're going to party like it's a big deal. And so uh, hopefully you can make that with us February 3rd. It's going to be a lot of fun. Have you ever gone into a job or a task expecting one thing only to discover you were completely wrong? Yeah, I've done that too. Like you, 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 you're excited about the potential of what this task or this job entails only to discover you were wrong. Only to discover that you all of a sudden become frustrated with that task or that job that you were once very excited about. You've been there. 
I'm currently in that position, in that state of mind. Um, for those of you that don't know, I have three kids. I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and then, dear Jesus, help me, an eight-month-year-old. And uh, it's this eight-month-year-old that, that, that's really like, I, I forgot what it was like to have a baby. I forgot what it's like to have a newborn. My, my five- and seven-year-old, they can just go off and play. Like, I don't even have to feed them. Like they, <laughs> they, they can find their own food and whatever, okay? But this eight-month-old, it's a different story. This eight-month-old is challenging me in every which way. This eight-month-old is, uh, is not what I expected. It's not what I remembered, put it that way, my eight-month-old. Specifically in the realm of sleep. <laughs> you guys ever hear that saying, um, sleep is, I, I slept like a baby? <laughs> is that false? Like, what do you, like, so you're up all the time? Is that what you're saying? Like, <laughs> this, this, this eight-month-old of mine, I love him. I should say that. I love him, but he's testing me. He, he's, he's, the first uh, eight months, he slept really good, like really good. He would, he would barely wake up, or I never woke up. <laughs> But, uh, but like he turned eight months and then all of a sudden he's like, hey, I'm going to throw a stick in the spoke of life. And so now he wakes up like two, three times a night. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> like it's crazy. And the other night, God bless his heart. He woke up at 350 in the morning. And typically, my wife is amazing. She'll, you know, she'll make the bottle, feed him, whatever. Uh, this, this particular night, she was like, babe, you go. You do it. I'm like, okay. So I take the baby, um, and, and I'm, I'm trying to rock him. I'm trying to feed him, and he's just crying. And I'm like, I don't understand what's happening here. And, and like, he, he just won't stop. Like, and I, I got so frustrated. I was like, Go to sleep. <laughs> I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But I was like so frustrated. I like, what is going on? Why are you crying? And uh, and, and so like it lit, like he didn't fall asleep until like four thirty. So I was up for an hour. And guess what happens when he falls asleep? Daddy's still up because Daddy's been up an hour doing cardio trying to shut you up. <laughs> and so like I'm up from 3.30 all the way until the next morning. And uh, I remember just thinking how frustrated I was. I remember rocking, don't judge me, I remember rocking him and like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Why did you get pregnant? <laughs> Chill. It's okay. I love him. But, but, but what I'm trying to say is I remember just being so frustrated in the moment. And then the craziest thing happened. He wakes up around 9 o'clock. He had a little sleep. 
He wakes up and, and then he, he sits up, right? And he just, he smiles at me. And it's like, I completely forgot about the other night because I'm like, oh, Sammy, I love you. And I picked him up and I was kissing him and hugging him. And I was like, oh, I missed you so much. It's amazing how, how fast and how easy you can be frustrated, but then really remember the heart of what you're doing. And then all of a sudden it gets you back on track to where you're supposed to be. See, I tell you this story because this is really the, uh, the, the, the heart in, in the feeling of the two uh, characters that we're going to be reading about this morning in our text. We're actually going to read, uh, I think it's like 18 verses and then we're going to be done. But it's found in the book of Acts chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, they're going to put it up on the screen too, but Acts chapter 14. But what's amazing is that there, there's this, this idea, our character, or our, our person's name is Paul, and he's with his buddy Barnabas, and they have a task. They're tasked to go share the gospel with people. They're tasked to go tell people about the good news that we call Jesus. And in the middle of that, there's this frustrating, just tension that happens in the story. And so uh, we'll just read and, and we'll go from there. But Acts chapter 8, it's very, it's very interesting. Verse 8, here we go. Ready? While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth. So he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached, looking straight at him. Paul realized that he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up. I don't have a deep voice. Like that was pathetic. <laughs> stand up, right? Like Paul called to him with a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. Okay, so, so picture this. Here's Paul and Barnabas. They, they just, they're going from town to town telling people about the good news. And, and while they're in this town called Lystra, there's this guy who, who is crippled from birth. Paul notices that this guy has faith to be healed. And, and I don't know where you stand on Jesus healing people. We believe that Jesus still heals people, that God still heals his powers, still as good as it was back in the, and, and what we read in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But, but here's this crippled man on the floor. Paul realizes that he has faith. And he says this, stand up. Could you imagine that guy? But he does it like the guy, according to the text, he stands up and he walks. And everyone in the town begin to freak out. They're like, ah, that's the guy that couldn't walk. He's walking. Like they, it was crazy. Watch this. Check this out. We're going to keep reading. Verse uh, 11 when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect. Uh, I'm sorry. They shouted in their local dialect. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect. These men are gods in human form. 
They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus. Hey, Paul got gypped. Paul was Aramaic since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus, my notes are all messed up. The temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So the priest of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates. And they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. Okay, so... Paul and Barnabas, they walk into a bar. I'm just kidding. Paul and Barnabas, they walk into town. There's a crippled guy. Paul says, stand up. The crippled guy gets up. The town goes crazy. They're so excited about what they they just witnessed. All of a sudden, uh, they, they had this idea that one day, Zeus and Aramis would come. They would leave their God form and come as humans. And so they thought, This has to be Zeus. This has to be. And they were so excited. So excited, in fact, the temple uh, priest of Zeus came running out with wreaths and and fruits and and saying to Paul and Barnabas, here, this is for you. This is you. This is for you. You're amazing. You're great. You're awesome. And they're praising Paul And Barnabas. Is that crazy? They're they're praising him. Verse 14. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothes in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We have come. And so here's their task. We have come to bring you good news that you should turn from those worthless things and turn to the living God and made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Verse 16. In the past, he permitted to all the nations to go their ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself in his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain people from sacrificing to them. So, Paul and Barnabas, in the midst of these people, like celebrating him, Paul and Barnabas, they they realize what's going on, and they're like, oh my gosh, they're worshiping, they think we're gods. And Paul, he, he begins to tell the people, hey, stop, don't, no, we're not, we're not gods, we're, but we're here to tell people about God, but, but we're, we're here to tell people about Jesus, who, who, who is this bridge between us and God. He's like, we're here to tell you about this great news called Jesus. And these people, the text says that they kept on praising them. Like even in the midst of Paul saying, hey, this we're, this, we're just humans. They were still like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're amazing. Like, it's crazy. Watch this. This is where it starts getting a little, a little crazy. Verse 19. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium. Now let's remember those names, Antioch, Iconium. 
and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town. The next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. So here's what's going on. They're praising, like this town Lystra, they're praising Paul and Barnabas. Then all of a sudden, people from the towns of Antioch and Iconium came and they begin to tell the people of Lystra, hey, these two guys, Paul and Barnabas, they, came, they just came from our town and they're spreading a whole bunch of poison. And they're rallying these people against Paul and Barnabas. So much so, they stone, they stone Paul. Think about that. Just process that. They go from praising him to stoning him. And, and what's interesting is that these, these people, they, they were... Uh, they, they had this stoning thing down, okay? Like, they were good at it. They were so good at it, when you read the verse, it says that they thought Paul was dead because of how bad they, they were stoning him. And there's Paul. He, he's, the Bible says that he, he's lying on the ground, face down, in the dirt. Done. And I was reading this text, and I began to wonder to myself how many of us can relate to this feeling of being face down in the dirt. Like, how many of us can relate? To this feeling of, of just being so used to last year. Of just being so disappointed. So discouraged. So distraught. That we feel like we're just down in the dirt. What's amazing to me is that it was the people who were praising him. That ended up punishing him. Isn't that interesting? Because if you look back at your past hurt in 2018, I bet you, you didn't get hurt from those people that you barely even knew, but you were hurt from those people that you're close to. You're hurt by those people that you allowed in your circle. You were hurt by those people that, um, that, that, that you thought had your back. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere... Sideswiped by life, sideswiped by whatever you've experienced this past year in 2018, and it left you face down in the dirt, looking forward to 2019. Left there on, just, just think about this, and he's, he's there and he's down for the count. He's down, just lifeless. As we read in the text, 
Once the mob left, believers from that town, Lystra, they came around Paul and, and they helped him. They, 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 they helped clean his wounds. They brought him into town. But here, here's what's interesting about this, this text is that it says that they gathered him up. They got him back into town. But the next day he left. He left to another city. I was reading that, and if I was Paul, and if I put myself in his shoes, I would have left that town frustrated. I would have left that town angry. I would have left that town saying, forget you. I would have left that town saying, what, if you don't want me here, I'm done. You, you, I don't, you don't need to hear about Jesus. Y'all can. I'm over it. But here's what I want to say this morning. Is that just because you're frustrated doesn't mean that God is finished. Just because you're frustrated doesn't mean God is finished. I was, uh, my daughter and I, we were eating ribs, first time eating ribs, and, and she was, uh, she would bite like a piece and then throw it to the side, okay? And, and I was like, little girl, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're wasting food. She said, daddy, I'm frustrated. I said, why are you frustrated? She said, because I can't get any meat off of the bone. Like, it's too hard to get off the bone. So I'm done. And she threw it to the side. Why? She was frustrated. So she allowed that frustration to dictate when she was finished. Can I say to you this morning... That no matter how frustrated you are from last year, so far this year, whatever you're going through, no matter how frustrated, can I say that God is not finished with you yet? There's still more that he wants to do in your life. There's still more that he wants to do in you and through you. He's not done. He's not finished. And if you base your finishing you're finished off of frustration. Some of you will leave prematurely. If you base when you think you're done off of frustration, some of you may never tap into everything that God has for you. Because you think, oh, I'm frustrated, so I'm done. This whole church thing, it didn't work for me. I gave it a year. I gave church a year. I gave God a year and I'm still in a pile of poop. Isn't it interesting like we'll give the club like five years, ten years and we give God like one year, three months. God, if you don't change me in three months, I'm done. It don't work. I heard someone once tell me this, give God as long, at least as long as you gave the world. Give God at least as long as you gave that club scene. 
Give God at least as long as you gave him that relationship. And we become frustrated. And for some of us, I know for myself, 2018 was a crazy, hard year. And in some ways, I felt like I came crawling into 2019. Some ways, I feel like I, I didn't even run to 2000 because like, I couldn't. I was so tired. I was so beat up. I was so frustrated. I was so discouraged that I'm like, I'm, I'm coming. But if you allow your frustration to dictate when you're finished, you're going to cut short of what God has for you. So watch this. this. I love this. So Paul, Paul, he leaves the city. He's like, forget you. I'm done. I'm frustrated. Y'all can just go to hell, right? Like, I'm done. Y'all don't, I don't need to tell you about Jesus. Whatever. But watch what the next verse says. This is very, very, very interesting and convicting and I hope it speaks to you as much as it speaks to me. Verse 21, after preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Why do those names sound familiar? Oh, I know why. Those were the three towns that housed the mob of people that tried to kill him. So he, he could have just left, but he returned. Something inside of him said that I'm not finished with what I started. There was something inside of him that said, even if I have to return to the place of pain and the place of persecution, there's something left on the bone. Come on. I'd look to my daughter and I said, baby, there's still meat left on this bone. I had to help her. I had to cut a little bit off. But, but after she was done, there was nothing left on that bone. Come on. God is wanting you to know there is more that he wants to do in your life. You just got to let him process it. You got to let him help you so that he can help get that meat off the bone because there's stuff left on there that he wants you to have there's stuff left on there that he still needs you to get there's stuff on there that he still wants you to discover and uncover and so Paul he returns back to the three towns of the people that literally left him out for dead. I was reading that and I'm like, why? <laughs> There's my flesh. <laughs> why go back? They tried to kill you. They, they tried to bring you down, Paul. They, they tried to discourage you, Paul. Leave him. I can't even believe I did that. 
watch this. He went back to those three towns where, they straight, where he strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue the faith, remaining, reminding them that sometimes we got to suffer many hardships. Okay, so, so get this. Paul and Barnabas, they went back to those three towns because they felt like there was something left on the bone. They felt like God wasn't finished with what they called him to do. They felt like God wasn't done. They didn't complete the task that God had for them, okay? And so they get back to the town, and here's what we discover is that Paul and Barnabas, they went back because they, they discovered that the believers in these three towns were discouraged. They were scared. I think that they heard or saw what happened to Paul and they're like, oh my, my. If this happened to Paul, it could happen to me. And I think, I, I don't know, but I think that they, they, they might have had an inkling to, to say maybe this faith thing is just not worth it. If Paul was left for dead, I could be left for dead. If Paul had a hardship, I could have a hardship as well. Maybe this isn't worth it. And so Paul, he goes back. He, he catches word and he goes back. Almost as if Paul wanted to show them, hey, I'm okay, guys. I know what you heard. I know what you saw. But I'm here. It's good. Yes, that hurt. Yes, it's not fun getting stoned. Stone, not recreational. Stone. It's, maybe it's not fun, but I'm here. I'm breathing. I'm alive. I'm, I'm living with purpose. I'm finishing the task that God had for me. I know it stunk, but I'm here. See, I think if we allow God to, he wants to take our bruises to use him for someone else's breakthrough. I think too many times we try to cover up our bruises and our pains and we're like, whoo, I'm perfect, glory. But there's someone who needs to know that they went through exactly what you did and that you came out okay. Because if God can do it for you, he can do it for you and you and you and you because he can and he wants to. So Paul, <laughs> he goes back and he's like, guys, I'm here. It hurt, but I'm alive. I'm finishing what God had for me to do. I know my past, it hurt. I'm doing something new. I'm being faithful. I'm finishing what he started. I'm being faithful to the task. I know I'm frustrated, but I'm faithful. I know I got bruises, but I believe there's a breakthrough. Like, you could still, I'm here. I'm here. See, this morning, if you get nothing else, I want you to know, don't stop short. 
finish strong. The task that he has for you, finish strong. Let your bruises show. Don't be ashamed of them because there's someone who needs to know your story. There's someone to need, who needs to know that God is faithful even in the worst. And I believe when we live like that, we're on mission with the heart of Jesus of going out and letting people know about Jesus, the good news. See, I'm closing right now, but if you're here this morning and this is your first time, uh, we're all about, we're all about as a church being focused on the task at hand of reaching people who are far from God so that they could experience life in Christ Jesus. See, 2019, here's kind of the phrase that we're going for. Every year we start with a new phrase. Some of you may not even have known that, but we do. Here's our phrase for this year. So that. So that. So that what? So that those far from God can find life in Christ. So that. I don't feel like going to church this morning and serving, but I will. So that. I don't feel like trusting God with my resources, but I will so that. I don't feel like waking up this morning, but I will so that. I don't feel like telling my coworker about Jesus, but I will because so that. So that. So that. So that those far from God can experience his love, who we call Jesus. And so he, he, here's how we're doing this. Tomorrow we are kicking off our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, but I, I do want to say this. Some of you, when I said fasting, you're like, oh, that's not for me. <laughs> but fasting is an opportunity. Prayer and fasting. Fasting is an opportunity to disconnect from from culture, from society, from world, from our flesh. And the prayer part is so that we can connect with God. And so here's what I'm asking. I've already talked to to my lead team and and we're in on this. We're all committed for the next 21 days to, to be part of this prayer and fasting. See, there's something about putting those two together that God responds to. I mean, he'll respond to you anyways. But there's something, I I heard a preacher say that fasting says to God, hey God, I'm serious about this. And so I wonder what in your life you're looking for breakthrough for. And I wonder if you would be so encouraged to join us in these 21 days of prayer and fasting. And and so what we did, I don't know if we have the graphic. Um, We do. What I would do, I would take out your phones right now and just take a picture of that. Um, If you don't have social media, if you do have social media, it's it's already posted on there. Um, But 
those are the topics that we're praying for every day for the next 21 days. We're breaking it up into three parts. We're praying for vision, we're praying for love, and we're praying for faith. And so uh, we're, we're actually going to try to even have a daily devotional on our podcast. Um, and so, but th- this is it. This is what we're praying for for the next 21 days. And we want you to join us. We want you to ask God, God, what would you have me fast? What would you have me fast for the next 21 days? Would it, would it be a meal? God, would you, would you have me fast TV? Would you have me fast social media? Will you have me fast my spouse? I'm just kidding. Don't do that. God, someone say oops. <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever it is. But we're asking that you would join us, that you would be part for these next 21 days starting tomorrow. Be part of this fast and join us to pray as we pray for vision, as we pray for love, and as we pray for faith. And I believe that when you set your year like this, when you're giving it the first part of your year to God, I think that no matter how hard your 2019 will be, maybe, might be, man, you're building it on a strong foundation. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.